We now return to Beyond Synth. Hey there, welcome to the second episode of Beyond Synth. My name is Andy Last. Uh, today on the show, I'm speaking to Mike Mendoza, a.k.a. Hoo-Ha, and uh, he's made some really fun 80s-inspired pop songs, which are really good. And uh, I contacted him out of the blue once I heard his music and asked him to do the show, and once we met, he introduced me to a bunch of other cool artists who I'll be interviewing in upcoming shows. So this interview... Uh, it starts out normally enough, and then it just kind of ends up us goofing off towards the end, which is fine. I mean, the show is, you know, it is what it is. And in some ways, you know, it sounds like just two old buddies talking, which uh, which is funny because we'd only met the day before. But, you know, I found out we, we, you know, we have a lot in common in our outlook and our view of the scene, and we had, uh, we had a really fun talk. So here is uh, my chat with Mike Mendoza. Damn, damn, damn. Bang. Yes. I'm not gonna make it. Oh, stop talking crazy. No, 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 no. Just do one thing for me. Get Mendoza. Mendoza! I'm here today with Mike Mendoza, aka Hoo-ha. How do you how do you say it? Hoo-ha. Bringing it to you with the booyah. So uh, I like to, I guess, start off all these by just saying how I came across your music and tell you how much I dig it. Because uh, I, I, I was, uh, it was when the 80s Dream compilation tape volume two was still, I guess, getting formed. And there was two tracks online before the whole thing went up. And, and your song was one of them, Outrunning. And that song is amazing. Like, I, <laughs> I've probably heard it now, honestly, like a hundred times. And your other song as well, Khaki, I think they're just... There's such a perfect blend of being funny while at the same time being like these like faithful representations of, of 80s music. And so what I love about them is they just they function on on so many levels. And I, I, I sent you a Twitter, I think, when I first got the song. This was like, yeah, I remember that. And I was just and I legitimately mean that when I'm just I'm sitting there listening to this thing thinking if this song was made in the 80s, this would have been a fucking hit song. Johnny Loco 
uh, when we talked before, you mentioned you sort of like new on the scene is how you put it. How did you how did you find out about this whole scene? Well, I YouTube a lot <laughs> randomly and I just found some like power glove. Yeah. I was listening to them and I was like, oh, my God, this sounds really badass. Mm-hmm. And it was paired with the dark 80s imagery mm-hmm. as well. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I found this guy called Kid Casio in the UK. He's got some tracks. There's a song called That's the Reason. That's the reason. That's so good. It's like <laughs> it's like authentic 80s pop. And mm-hmm. it was it was different than just the synth stuff that um, I guess I was hearing. Right. And I was like, well, if he's going to do it, because he was like taking it live. And I was like, son of a bitch. These are like, these are the hobbies that I do in my personal time. And I just do this. And if he's going to like make money from it, I should too. Because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've been doing it for a very long time. So, like, I'm sort of decent at it. Let me just try my hand. So, you say you've been kind of making music for a while. Was it always this style? Or was it, like, hearing the scene go, like, oh, I can I can do this as well? Or No, I actually, I, <laughs> I've been making 80s music. Really? Since I first started. Um, since PlayStation 1 in, like, 97 or 98 <laughs> on the MTV Music Generator, you could, like, make lots of music. And I was making 80s music. And then I got a computer and I found FL or free loops yeah and i started with fl3 however long that was ago (laughs) i know that i started with i think a a buddy gave me like a ripped version of fruity loops 2 but then i didn't really i never really analyzed song structure or anything so i'd hear their demo songs and be like oh that sounds great and everything i made just sounded like shit (laughs) (laughs) well see my thing was i was i would give myself not give myself examples but i'd like when Napster came out, mm-hmm. all I was doing was downloading 80s music. Right. And everyone was trying to get the new Britney Spears tracks, and I was <clears throat> nerding out on my own and trying to recreate those songs. And every now and then, I would record a song. Right. Go I mean, to my MySpace. <laughs> Anyone listening to this, go to my MySpace and listen to OI. And that I made that in like 2003. What uh, what's what's your MySpace name? Slash the hoo ha. So how when did when did you adopt this moniker? Hoo ha. I want to say in high school in like senior year. I, I mean I'm assuming it's just a take on aha, but is there is there something more to it? No, there's just actually nothing to it, and I, that's, I think that's why I've stuck with it. <laughs> that's why I've stuck with it for all this time. It's mm-hmm. something that I I can really say like oh yeah I can I can put it on a business card or whatever and not feel anything you know you know what i mean yeah like i'm not ashamed of like if it was like i don't know dj mikey men's or something stupid like that it's it's something different than like every other dj dj top gun now i have a question can i start calling you dj mikey men's please please don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah call me mikey men's so you were doing music this whole time what were you doing with your songs i mean i I assume myspace was one outlet but when, when did you um, feel confident enough to, like, make a song and then put it out there? I, I guess, uh, Janu- well, this January. This January. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I heard that Kid Casio track in February of 2012. I remember I moved to this apartment, and I was in a really 80s phase. And my girlfriend was just... 
she liked that (laughs) (laughs) when it was all 80s all the time at home right and then i made an 80s beat just like really simply actually the khaki in the studio is the the original thing and i just recorded some silly lyrics on top right about look at my pants aren't they nice the way you sing that song is is what sells it is just the because i hear uh and the same with without running i hear some uh Tears for Fears? I hear Tears for Fears. I hear fucking uh, Astley, Rick Astley. <laughs> nice. That's the first time someone I, said that. Oh, no. I, like I, it. I, I hear Rick Astley more so in khaki, I think. <laughs> when you make the music and you kind of go for that sort of humorous side, was that a choice you made uh, consciously? Like, I'm going to make it funny? Usually when I'm writing stuff like that, like I have guitar songs, um, they're supposed to be done live. And I'm thinking if an audience saw this, would they have a good time? What kind of laugh here? What kind of laugh there? You know? Right. I mean, so you gauge, you gauge an audience having a good time on laughs. Yeah. And, like, the music is there to, like, supplement the fun. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. And then, like, I think khaki more than outrunning. Khaki is, like, supposed to be sort of silly. I think that's, uh, yeah, what, what I was saying before is sort of khaki is... It's it's still a great song, but it it is more obviously a joke. You don't really have to listen too hard to know that you're being funny, yeah. obviously, um, with like sort of lyrics that are just out of nowhere, like that three. But I'm dying to do it live, man. I want to see what audiences are going to think. Because it's fun. I mean, and I, I, I know, I think I watched a video you posted, because I, when I first listened to the song, and uh, there's that part at the end of, the, during the chorus where you just say three, just because it rhymes. <laughs> yes! And when I first heard it, I'm like, maybe I'm missing something. And then when I saw you do it on YouTube and the gesture you made when you said three was like, ah, okay, I get it. Yeah, it's see, just, like it's, it's, it's just there because it's there. It's supposed to be like performed. I want to take it to theaters and do it. Like it, it is a lot of fun. I think that's the same uh, without running, except outrunning sort of it straddles that line of being when I first heard it, I didn't necessarily pick up on the joke. I was just like, this is a fucking great song. Yeah, that was less... It wasn't supposed to be more... You know, the lyrics are just simple. But if you do listen to the lyrics and if you do (laughs) read them... The beginning, that was supposed to be genuine comedy because I was looking at myself in a mirror going, I I see you. Right, right. Watching me, looking back, whatever. But What I I love is because it takes it that one step too far where it is ridiculous. (laughs) Like, just like, I see you watching me, watching me. You got your eyes on me or whatever. Like, it just keeps on on going back and forth. And when when I finally picked up on that, I'm like, okay. And then, of course, the end of the song... With that whole running, when you're running inside, you're not running outside bit, or... No, when you go outside and you're and running, you're running outside, outside, you're not running you're inside. You're not running inside. <laughs> which is... Which I is, came up with that walking to work and I was dying and people were looking at me on the street like I was a crazy man. Well, so we're talking <laughs> about you wanting to perform this stuff live and sort of making an audience laugh. Like, do you have... Do you have a background in comedy? Like, is that... I have a background in improv and sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. And I've been... Uh, taking classes and doing shit at the Upright Citizens Brigade since like 2006. And I hosted an open mic in 2007 to like 2009. That was really successful. And it was me and two buddies and we were just goofing off every week. And it was cool because like you get a lot of the same audience back. And so there's a lot of in-jokes and I think that was a lot of the coolest stuff. That sounds cool. What did did you guys call your show? It was at the grind, and eventually we turned into like a, a three-man comedy thing, and we called ourselves Milkshake Choir. Um, don't actually know how that started. 
<laughs> one of us is sweet milk matt <laughs> yeah we were just writing stuff and like a lot of there's a lot of writing going on there actually for all the improv we did yeah and then i hosted another open mic recently in 2011 so when you're hosting open mics that's just you're the you are the uh, the MC for a bunch of like a night of comedy is that how it works or? music actually oh, really? it's oh, okay. it's music um and i try to tell everyone that there's a like a flair or like an edge of comedy to it so like don't feel pressure there are a lot of like new artists with their guitars and stuff and they sing like emotional songs right and they'll like be nervous on stage and mm-hmm. so i usually try to keep it light in in between everything so that the whole pl- the whole thing is um you know fun and then when they're on the the audience is like oh okay they're gonna try this and i'm more receptive you get the audience into it right everyone's having a good time I sound like a 70s producer yeah, yeah baby <laughs> come on let's do it <laughs> I'm understanding it right. It was a comedy trio, right? Eventually. We just did it because we were around all each other all the time. <laughs> so that's the difference. And hosting the open mic. Yeah. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a legit comedy trio. Okay. okay. We, we named ourselves. The open mic you hosted before was more of a comedy one or were they both music? It was music and we broke it up with comedy in between. Like we would do funny haikus, a lot of Lost references. Because <laughs> 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 Lost is on and oh boy, that was the biggest television show of all time. That me. must have been a pretty disappointing set of haikus after the finale <laughs> i was i was huge in the lost there's always something disappointing when your opinion follows everybody else's but at the same it's like you know like when people like the same awesome movies and it's i've never felt the need necessarily to separate myself from the crowd like if a movie's awesome it's i'm like yeah everyone should like it it's great why i'm saying this is with lost it's like i don't it's like I want to have a different opinion and be like, oh, I love the finale. It was so great, you know? But then I have to be one of the people who are like, ah, I was disappointed by the finale. Just like every other nerd. <laughs> yeah. It's trendy. It's a, it's a trendy opinion. But yeah, one that it's, you know, I have it too. <laughs> everything I could say has been said. <laughs> you know, like I, I would have friends. <laughs> yes. I had friends I who... exactly what you're saying. Yeah, no, we, we would talk about loss and I'm just like, I would always have to phrase my sentence trying to say an original idea. I'm trying to be like, here's, you know, here's, you know, because it's, it's so tough when you're sitting there like, yes, it was an emotionally satisfying episode that disappointed me by veering away from the plot that got me hooked on the show. That's the voice I would do too when I would... I'm going to talk like that the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a sweet old man. <laughs> so, to get back to your music. Yes? Um, <laughs> what else, uh, like, have you, have you done any sort of other types of stuff besides, like, singing? <laughs> I haven't put it online. Um, and actually, a lot of my shit is on a hard drive that's in my closet. But it's sort of, meep, 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 and died. Ooh. It did that. It made that noise, too. Meep, meep, meep. Oh, no. <laughs> And a lot of my, like, everything before 2009, like, all, all of my FL Studio stuff from, like, 2004 on is on the hard drive. And I know, I know, <laughs> I know how to fix it. It just costs a bunch of money. Oh, man. I should do a Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> Save who has hard drive. Oh, that's the worst. Um, when we were talking before uh, that you mentioned you also were doing some scoring. Uh, I'm also into, like, uh, orchestral scores and... I got a badass East-West Gold. Have you heard of the East-West Symphonic Orchestra? It's like a, a sample sampler with like high-quality samples. It's like 13 gigs. I'm excited about it. I'm talking real quiet, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you say you're just interested in scoring, or have you actually scored some stuff? Um, I've made some pieces of music, 
again, those are on my MySpace mm. <laughs> from like 2009 or whatever. But um, it's some of it's orchestral, and uh, like I haven't been making a, I haven't finished a lot of stuff, but I have all of these projects that have started mm-hmm. and are rather full, almost finished to that point. Right. And um, so it's not like just the little amount of shit I have out means that I haven't been working a lot. I've always been. I come home and I turn on FL Studio. I'm a nerd like that. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm sort of in that that camp where I just, you know, over the years I've made so much stuff, but I'm such a, I'm like a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah, for certain that's, things. that's my whole thing. I won't put it out because I'm not completely satisfied. And that usually means that I usually overproduce. I, I These songs are a, a total work of example of me toning myself down because they used to have a lot of shit and I cut a lot out. And a lot of my stuff from back in the day, just a lot of it sounds like way too much mm-hmm. too much reverb and too much delay and everything is just loud and <laughs> no it's i mean it's funny you say that because i'm like i'm in like the same boat it's like the exact same thing i mean this is something we did talk about uh before but just about getting that getting that mix right and that's one of those things i've never been great at and so when i was younger i used to just think well the more sound you threw in the better the song <laughs> exactly which just uh, let me keep adding yeah. riffs and keep I used to, I, I made a 22 minute track one time <laughs> called Endocon. I just, I kept adding new riffs. It was the same instrument, but I kept making mm. new riffs and I had to like display my, my skill, my skill in riff making. <laughs> so it was just patterns upon patterns and patterns and it was 20 just minutes long. The, the opus of DJ Mikey Menz. <laughs> oh, you got it. Andylast.com. 20 <laughs> When I uh, approached you about doing an interview, you mentioned you had heard the the one I did with Robin, and you said you had some differing opinions because we talked about the sort of the difference between Bandcamp and SoundCloud. I j- he was saying that SoundCloud is like cluttered now, and I wasn't around. I wasn't like aware of SoundCloud five years ago, and he said that it was different, and like people would have put up field recordings and stuff. Well, I think and I, I think uh, his point was more about. And ban- he said Bandcamp is a better way to, you know. But I don't think so because Bandcamp, there's... Can you leave comments on Bandcamp? Like, there's, I don't think there's that social aspect. There's the thing where people uh, can... I mean, I'm, I'm relatively new to Bandcamp, so I'm not... I mean, I can't say about all its inner workings. I say as a layman, when I look at both sites, I think... And, and this, was, uh, this was Robin's point, was just that um, it was to do with the aesthetics of the site itself. Like that SoundCloud used to be just a cleaner looking page. And now yeah. it's sort of, and that's that's where I was coming from too. Like when I started listening to people's music and I was on uh, Bandcamp, it just made more sense to me. Like you got like, you got the album art, you've got the track listing. Whereas like I go to SoundCloud and there's like stuff going on like all over the screen. And then there's like waveforms, which by very nature just look busy when you just see like, a, <laughs> when you just see a waveform. And if you see like a whole list of waveforms. I like it. I dig it. I like the way it looks. Mm. I like waveforms. But then again, I don't know. I don't know what from the perspective of of an artist or a producer, because I I know like I've purchased some stuff on Bandcamp and I found like that experience to just be a nice fluid experience. It makes sense. You've got the album, you buy it. Whenever I go to SoundCloud, I don't see how the divisions, like it always just seems like these big lists of tracks. I don't really download the EPs from SoundCloud. I'll usually go find it on Bandcamp because it is split up. 
Yeah, and that's that's you know I mean? that's how I've been sort of enjoying the the music from this scene that I've heard. Is I I just do it on Bandcamp. I'm gonna tell the fans to uh, go to Bandcamp and look up um, Miami Nights Sunset Dream Drive compilation because uh, <laughs> it's just wonderful and you'll get a kick out of it. Let's talk about that. <laughs> okay, we because we we mentioned this before and I. I saw these things and they made me laugh really hard, which was something I think you were involved with with a couple other people just having having a laugh. Well, you having a laugh? You having a laugh? I see you having a laugh. <laughs> so good. What's and, that extras? Yeah, it's extras. So yeah, tell me a bit about Miami Sunset Dream Drive Night Volume. Actually, <laughs> you can tell me about Volume One, but I'd also like to hear a bit about Miami Sunset Dream Drive Night Volume Two Night Terror Island Express Tape Deck. <laughs> Tell me a bit about that, because <laughs> it is it is amazing just for the the album art alone. John Grooveworthy to all the people out there in Radioland, he just like started this thing and was like, "Yo, who wants to get in on this compilation?" Blah blah blah, and then he put the title up, and we we're we were all like commenting on the post, and it became like a group chat, and we're like, "Oh, I'll do this, and I'll do this," and he made some like piece of shit music in eight minutes and i was like oh i gotta do that too and we all started doing making really shit music and i made a thing called uh live the eights dream which is a parody on the <laughs> new retro wave live the 80s dream mine was a, a parody on the horror cyberpunk future where robots and corporations <laughs> and it was just like a stereotype and everything yeah. and like that's what everyone was doing they were all making their own versions of like driving up the coast songs and miami and right the 80s only happened in Miami. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's it's a funny thing because there is these sort of tropes of the genre. And everyone's got a song like that has Outrunning in it. And... Which is funny because I talked, um, this didn't make it into my interview with Robin because when I when I said, you know, I was going to do this podcast and it was also going to be sort of a, a learning experience for me. I've never found a clear definition of outrun when I, and I asked Rob and I'm just like what is, what is outrun exactly people have it in their in their genres and I can't if I type in outrun into the web I don't get a definition it's just sort of like has to do with music That's cuz the shit is so new man we're on the we're on the cusp of a new generation <laughs> It's exciting and It is exciting cuz like imagine we're just like these guys talking to each other on Facebook, but I want everyone to listen to it. I want it to become like, you know, how dubstep got so popular a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I want 80s retro. I, I call it new retro because some of it's not just 80s. It's like some 90s stuff. And yeah, it's just like it's about the nostalgia of the the time. Right. And so I call it I call it new retro. Capital N, capital R. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is awesome. I mean, this whole this whole scene just got me super excited, and that's why I wanted to start doing the yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's why I want. I'm I'm telling people that I'm gonna be a fucking pop star, man. Yeah. <laughs> I want to take it live, and I want to I want to be friends with Jay Z. And you can't do that getting 300 plays on Facebook. So I'm gonna go take it live, <laughs> and I'm gonna go fucking be famous. <laughs> and I want all these guys to be famous. Like we were talking, we're all tired of just getting 300 plays on Facebook and like SoundCloud and. Mm -hmm. And so I I want to do that, and I also want to DJ just like new retro stuff at clubs and be like, yeah, people, this is music that's bad at like the more dancey stuff that you can play for people. Right. I wouldn't play horror at a fucking bar, but I would play a lot of the stuff that has beats, and a lot of people are putting vocals and stuff, and that's what I want to hear. Well, I mean, I, I have heard some some great tracks with uh, people 
with with vocals. And I love I love the aesthetics of the scene because I I could also see a place where I've always loved the idea of like someone opening up like a cool bar or something with the with the aesthetic of like the neon because then you could then you could play like the the, the sort of the cyberpunk. Um, there's a place stuff. here in New York City called Culture Club that has exactly that. Nice. It's got Pac-Man artwork and Super Mario artwork nice. all over the walls. Everything is black light. There's a dance floor with light like light up grid on the floor. Um, <laughs> badass What's... DJ booth and uh, there's like posters of Top Gun and the drinks have um, names like there's a Power Rangers drink, there's a Top Gun drink. It's like vodka Red Bull mostly, but mm. you know it's like can I get the top? Can I get the Top Gun? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> What'd you say that place was called? Culture Club, 39th between fifth and sixth. And um, it's like my favorite place. I I never tire out there. I would probably, you know, dancing for like three days straight if I could. <laughs> if it never closed. It's so badass to feel the thump of the bass of like, take on me. And like, oh. you're in a club dancing to it. It's yeah. so badass. And so I want to sort of get a slot there and play new retro. That would be amazing because some of this stuff would fit so seamlessly in that mm-hmm. I think you might even fool people in like... Honestly, like outrunning is one of those things where, and I've, I've said this to other people and, and like, I'm going to just slot it in. If I'm having like an an eighties playlist going and just throw that in and see all the people who kind of go like, Oh, who's this? Like, like they, it was an eighties song that they missed. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I love, uh, about the people, you know, doing some of this, this music is like, it just, it could just slot right in and no one had noticed and they would feel like idiots for not knowing this band and like I could make up a whole story. I won't because I'd like to honestly, <laughs> pe- people deserve the credit. <laughs> this is it. why you and I are kindred spirits because we're like sort of, we're just wise asses in general. Because to me, it, like it, <laughs> people are, are making such, like I've just been impressed by the quality of the music I've been hearing. That's what I think what really blew me away when I just found this scene and started listening because I'm late to it. A lot of the stuff I've listened to now is, you know, like one, two years old. I don't know if it has something to do with the film Drive. I have a feeling it does. Uh, Drive did a lot of movement for the scene because people were looking up music in Drive and everyone, for a while, everyone was like finding these artists because they saw Drive. Yeah. And I was one of those people too. Like I was looking for people because I heard it and I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like the, the song in the trailer, I forget what it is, but I was like, this is so badass and like synthy and I want to find more of this. Yeah. And that's what like sort of also got me into it. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I am too, man. And it's one of those things that, that cements my idea anyways, that I just, that people love this stuff inherently, like 80s sound and synth, but it's just, it's one of those things that's like, it's not cool to talk about, but everybody loves it. Like when Drive came out, even people who don't really dig synth music or 80s music, they're all like, oh, what a cool score. What a cool soundtrack. Everybody loved like the Daft Punk score for tron you know what i mean it's just like oh my god that's my favorite thing ever well it's a cool it's a cool score and it's like people love fucking synth scores they just don't ever talk about it but the whole point is you everyone's just kind of bored to death of all the other movie scores that just all sound the same like they're just there's nothing special about them and what uh, i want to do is make three or four tracks (laughs) that's one of my projects that i have in mind i'm gonna make 90s like family movie score (laughs) like think (laughs) I want to do that and sort of capture that vibe, like Home Alone or Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> yeah, I'm so into that stuff, and I want to. I want to, you know, I want to do it myself. I want to say, I want to see if I can. That's what it is. Well, that's the that's the fun about being a, an artiste, right? Is 
having those things to drive for. I say artiste, by the way. I say bon appetit. I'm a bon appetit. No, that's pretty much it. Artiste. That's the only thing. <laughs> only because I'm Canadian, the second language is French. Do you know a lot of French? I can understand it, but my French speaking is weak. Je suis très fatigué. Yeah, that means you love men. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Oh, it might not be true. That just means that's what you said. Okay. It's also not what you said. I want. <laughs> I want. Who came up? Uh, who came up with the names on the the Miami Sunset Dream Drive Night Volume? Well, the- <laughs> because we talked about this before, and I just have to say it officially on this podcast. Home Knife. <laughs> Home Knife is the funniest band name I've ever heard before. <laughs> Every time I see the word Home Knife, I <laughs> I just laugh every time. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, it's also a good song title too the track by home knife is dreamy blade runner sci-fi 80s speed rad rocky <laughs> hold on i'm trying to read roman numerals now R- rocky 50 is that i think it's like rocky's 13 is it rocky 14 or something there's a v there's a v in front of the x i'm not very good at uh, roman numerals i always have to think i feel the same way about analog clocks whenever i have to look at a watch that has hands on it I always have to think for a second. Like, I don't instinctively know the time unless it's digital. So I always look at it. I'm like, all right, well, the little hand's here and the big hand's there. and <laughs> it's, it's, it's a form of autism. <laughs> uh. Ryan Gosling, Night Calls a Miami Hotline. <laughs> Are you looking at the second one? Yeah, I'm looking at all the... Sorry, for the people listening, I'm just looking at the track listing. Uh, if you want to have a good laugh, go check out the Miami Sunset Dream Drive Night Volume 2, Two. Night Terror Island Express, Island Express Tape Deck. Tape deck. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of really funny band names and a lot of funny uh, track listings. <laughs> Cop City Killer Race. <laughs> oh, that's just track one. The album artwork for the first uh, Dream Drive Night Volume, <laughs> there's just this... <laughs> This terrible, like, cartoon picture of a guy's face in the back. I think it's supposed to be Steve Perry. <laughs> you were on some sort of quest, some sort of film-watching quest or something? Yeah, man. I um, I planned to... Because wa- my girlfriend read 52 books in 52 weeks last year. Right. And uh, I photoshopped a badass thing for her, and I put it up on the wall. Because that's a pretty awesome accomplishment. Yeah. I can't even read, so... <laughs> Anytime someone just tells me they've read anything, a package label or something, I'm like, whoa, really? <laughs> I go to McDonald's, I have to look at the pictures. Oh, God. You still get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but what the whole point of your thing was you're trying to match your girlfriend's accomplishment, except instead of reading, you're going <laughs> to watch a movie. Was it? I was going to watch 365 movies. Are you focusing on anything in particular? There will be themes within. It's supposed to be like a retro history project, essentially. That's how I'm hitting it, because it's like... All these movies that people are forgetting now. It's to- it's like retro revivalism. That's what I'm calling it. And so I'll have like, yeah, I'll have themes within. So for a while I was watching a bunch of Nicolas Cage movies and... Okay, did you see Dead Calm? Is it Dead? No, it's not Dead Calm. Dead. Dead Calm. Oh, what the hell is it? It's the best. It's uh, Nicolas Cage. If you ever see crazy clips of Nicolas Cage on the internet where he has a mustache and like kind of a bowl cut. <laughs> like from the 80s? 90s. It's early 90s. It's oh, really Dead cheap. Calm. No, because Dead, Dead Calm is the movie with the Billy looking, Zane yeah. where he attacks Nicole Kidman on the boat with uh, Sam Neill. The movie I'm thinking of. Deadfall. That's the one. Download Deadfall. Or to be fair, I watched the whole thing and it's a piece of crap. 
you can see all of Nicolas Cage's scenes on YouTube <laughs> if you just type in like Nicolas Cage Deadfall. Okay. Priceless. It's all priceless. I think I'll just watch it. I'll look for it and watch it. I, I, I'm down, man. Well, just honestly, though, he's the best part and he's brilliant. And there's a scene that is one of the funniest things I've seen in recent memory. And I watched it over and over and over. It's him like in this hotel room freaking out at this chick. So how's this whole thing going then? Are you uh, are you behind? I'm way behind. Um, I can sometimes watch like two movies a day. I try to watch two movies a day. Mm. And I saw To Live and Die in L.A. That's a wonderful movie from '85. N- no, actually, it's terrible. It's just it's real '80s, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a terrible movie. It's terrible. So many plot holes. The main guy is supposed to be set up like an anti-hero, but he's just a bad person. but that was number 161 nice today is day 187 so i'm like 26 behind yikes (laughs) i was watching a bunch of bad movies for a while i saw eraser broken arrow cliffhanger face off dante's peak i will say this (laughs) i'm not even gonna be ashamed it was a guilty pleasure i love face off i (laughs) when we saw that when uh, when I was, well, whatever, however old I was when that movie came out, that was like the biggest, craziest action film up till that point. Yeah. Matrix hadn't come out yet and a bunch of other things. I watch it now and I mean, I watch it like, I, I quote that movie the most with uh, with one of my best friends. We quote Face Off all the time because it's so ridiculous. Like the, <laughs> And it's only been the other day that I watched it again that I appreciated just how ludicrous... I mean, obviously the plot's ridiculous, but there's a scene where Nicolas Cage kind of breaks down as John Travolta, but it's Nicolas Cage, uh, to his wife where he explains to her the plot and he's crying and he's just like, and then... He's like, don't don't touch me or don't look at me. And he's like, but then he took, but then I took his face and then then I was in a coma and then he he killed the doctors, but not before (laughs) transforming into me. And like, (laughs) he's got this part where he just explains the plot. And at that moment, you're like, wow, the plot of this movie is fucking out there. Like, (laughs) this was a major Hollywood movie. And to top it off, the scene where they actually switch faces, it suffers from that thing that all movies suffer from whenever there's like computer simulations happening, (laughs) where they're getting their faces switched. And then you see on the computer screen an animation of John Travolta's face morphing into Nicolas Cage's face. (laughs) And I'm just looking like, what is this computer simulation? Like, this isn't assisting them with their operation. Their faces aren't morphing. That's a trope of, like, 90s. It's just, like, all the computer stuff in those movies. That means someone had to sit down and design that specific graphical interface. Especially when it comes to computer simulations and stuff in movies, I've never been able to separate myself from just going, what is this simulation doing? (laughs) What's That's it for? It's one of the reasons why... Did you see the new Spider-Man movie, The Amazing Spider-Man? I saw the 25-minute extended trailer <laughs> online, and I was like, this is the whole thing. I'm not going to go see it. The point is this. I didn't... I I really didn't like it, uh, which was really surprising. I had a lot of people tell me, like, oh, it's, it's good, you know? With all the problems I had with the Sam Raimi versions, I still find them to be more fun and... Like, there's yeah. nice, colorful, and big comic book movies. The third one's I love, bad. I love the first two. They're so good. 
I even bought a Spider-Man poster that was like all, you know, glossy sunset orange when he's on a building. Because like, I love the whole palette of the glossy sunset tone of the city. When I first saw Spider-Man, like that movie in the theater was like such a big deal when it came out. And like the moment where he starts fighting Green Goblin and Goblin like catches his fist and the whole screen like vibrates. Yeah. And that that exact moment, like the impressive. And then like he kicks him. I'm just like, I was just like it's in like, the theater just going like, wow, that was awesome. And the new Spider-Man. Sam Raimi. Yeah. And the new Spider-Man is just, it's not fun. The reason why I bring this up, and you have to see it for this reason. The computer simulations that go on, the things that go on on the lizard's computer are so foolishly stupid that when you see it, there's a scene where he comes up with a plan. I'm going to spoil the film because it's not very good. He goes crazy. He turns into the lizard man in an, like the span of a second. Like he injects himself with the stuff and then immediately turns into this lizard monster. And then the next day conjures up a plan to turn the world into lizards. And he does this by, he's going to sh- like spray this chemical mist over the city. Why lizards? Because he's a lizard man. <laughs> How did, why, why did he be a lizard? Like why? Uh, it's to do was with there motivation for that or was it an accident? That part is sort of, I think, similar to the comic where it's like because lizards regrow their tails. So if you inject. So he was working on that kind of stuff? Yeah, to regrow, he's, he's missing an arm. So like the idea is you inject yourself with lizard juice and then you get your arm back. But okay. unfortunately for him. It also he turns instantly in, turns into a yeah, giant lizard. Yeah, he turned into lizard man, and then so he comes. <laughs> lizard man. So I like how you keep referring it. I, I see those letters capitalized L capitalized yeah. M lizard man. <laughs> so, anyways, as lizard man, <laughs> as lizard man, he goes crazy and decides he's going to turn the world into lizard people by spraying lizard juice over the city. <laughs> Such a good idea. And we see this by a computer simulation <laughs> that you need to see this to believe it. There's a picture of a lizard man on the screen and sort of a bird's eye view of a city. So keep in mind that his computer simulation has a 3D rendering of a lizard man. For what reason? (laughs) Whoever programmed that into his software, there's a 3D rendering of a lizard man that spins in circles. So anyways, so that that little lizard man is there. Then all of a sudden, we see a circle radius grow from that lizard man as if he's the source of the bomb so a circle expands from the lizard man and then all of a sudden hundreds of little lizard men shoot out of that lizard man and sort of rain down on the city (laughs) and i'm looking at this going what is this computer simulation saying who programmed it to have little pictures of lizard men he's not raining the city with lizard men like that's not his plan so What's happening? Like, I'm just looking, going, like, this is so stupid. Anyway, the movie's stupid, is the point oh, I'm trying to Oh, right, because he's, he's, not, he's not literally no, like, that's launching not... little lizards from the center. He's just turning people into lizards. Yeah, he's spraying so why... mist. So it's, it's the stupidest. And it's funny because, you know, when people want to defend a certain movie or, you know, like, say, well, like, the Sam Raimi had those cheesy scenes, you know, like, in, like, the first movie. And I remember it was a, it was a cheesy thing, but I know, like, the logic behind it, you know, like those, you mess with New York, you mess with all of us, you know, those kind of things. And the guy's wearing a fucking Mets hat. Yeah. yeah, I love that line. But the thing is, as cheesy as those scenes were, they're nothing. It's funny because this movie's trying to be like darker and grittier. There is literally a scene when a construction worker that Spider-Man helped, okay, gets his buddies together because Spider-Man's wounded. He knows this because on the news, you see Spider-Man wounded, trying to climb a building. Then the newscaster makes the leap that goes, oh, look, there's Spider-Man, and he's injured, and he's heading towards Oscorp. And you're just looking like, hey, news lady, how do you know any of that? (laughs) 
All you know is that Spider-Man's bleeding. Like, that's all you know. So then, so then a construction worker sees this and goes, that's the guy that saved my son. Hey, buddies, gets on the phone, calls all of the construction workers he knows, who arrange themselves within five minutes, and then begin to do a synchronized crane operation where they pull all of their cranes out into the street so Spider-Man has something to shoot his webs. So, <laughs> oh, my so, God. So that he can get his way to Oscorp. Again... <laughs> The, the fact that the construction worker saw the newscast, the fact that this newscast lady just made these giant leaps in logic, and that there was a cameraman filming Spider-Man live, and then that this construction worker manages to get a bunch of construction workers together at night, and they synchronize a crane operation that goes all the way down the street so that Spider-Man has something to web to. And, you know, regardless of... The Green Goblin's costume in the Sam Raimi version and the other things they did, like, I mean, I don't think they're perfect, but they're definitely... Was there a line uh, after the crane thing where one of them was like, you give him a piece of my mind for me, Spider-Man. Yeah, you tell us. (laughs) And then another one step, like four step up behind him and go, yeah, for all of us. You... (laughs) You're probably right. Like I don't remember. I only this is well. This is all just me from the time I saw it in the theater last year. So I have not seen it since. But what you've just described, like the dude coming out with the hard hat, looking up and like, "You get him, Spidey!" I bet you that happened. <laughs> getting back to this, <laughs> getting back to the music for a second. Um, what are what are some of the artists that uh, that you like listen to in the scene that you like? Well, Mitch Murder is the guy I keep comparing my or like aiming for Mm -hmm. i love what he's doing he's got like a really authentic sound lost years lost years kicks ass let's see all all the guys i talk to are awesome like vincenzo salvia from italy he's so good he's so good yeah no his stuff's really good groove worthy is awesome protector 101 like all these guys that i i liked already and then they they started talking to me on facebook or groove groove where they did john and then he got me into the group, and now we all talk to each other. Well, I talk to them. They've been talking for a while already. L.A. Dreams. Ah, oh, this new track from L.A. Dreams that came out. Phenomenal. Isn't it Celerect slash L.A. Dreams? I think it's a team or like a group. I think they're a group because I, I think on their SoundCloud, they link to their Facebook. <laughs> I mean, that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think they do shows. I think they're one of the people, one of the groups that is taking this stuff live, which is awesome. Yeah, no, their stuff's really good, too. Right now, my thing is I'm trying to just absorb as much as I can, and so there's so much, and then also make sure that I've I've listened to the stuff enough that I can then... Sunglasses Kid. Dude, listen to Sunglasses. That's so good. I, uh, I dug the song that he had uh, uh, that Dana girl sing on, uh, but I, 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 I liked the song. Like it had, I liked the sound of it. I don't think I've heard too much of Sunglasses Kid stuff apart from that, though. Like, I think I just followed a link from from someone who's who posted it. Because the, the latest thing I've listened to that I actually really enjoyed, I contacted the guys, was uh, there's this music video, and it's so ridiculous. They're called, uh, I think, Story of the Running Wolf. And uh, they have a music video that's full of, like, the dude's, like, looks like Bowie from Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a fun video. I really liked it. Because the dude, when he's in the Bowie costume is just so sincerely like singing at the camera with like the makeup but clearly like they've got a sense of humor because the other dude's dressed as a centaur so like they're probably fun guys yeah we can probably wrap this thing up wrap it up 
Want to wrap it up? Are you happy about it? I wanted to talk about dinosaurs. Which one's your favorite, the Diplodocus? No, I like the little the little chicken ones, like the compies. <laughs> they run around. They're so cute, I want to pick one up. Oh my god. But I don't want them to bite me, because it probably hurts. <laughs> That's bad. That's so bad if it bites you. That's another one. When I think about Jurassic Park, I got so distracted by the computer simulation stuff that happens in that film, too. Dude, the scene when Lex is trying to lock the doors and get the power back on and mm-hmm. why would someone design this for her to be using a mouse with all these little boxes that you could click on as like representations of houses that have folders inside like it was the stupidest fucking thing i know this system i know this unix system there's the scene that no one to this day can justify to me i'll do it who put samuel jackson's arm over her shoulder the uh, the raptor to, to spook her yeah <laughs> Because every time I see that scene, it's like, the arm comes down, she freaks out and runs away. And at no point in the scripting stage or or in the directing stage did anybody ever go like, why did this... I almost just tried to drink my microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, I think the Raptors put the arm there to spook her. Be like, yeah, yeah, watch this. When she bangs into it, the arm's going to come down. Then she's going to move away from it. And that's when you get, yeah, all right. (laughs) And they high five and go to their hiding spots. (laughs) <laughs> they wait for her to come around. I'm just happy we all developed a dexterity and fucking stealth to sneak up behind her and drop an arm over her shoulder. <laughs> not... but you can imagine them trying to reach their short raptor arms yeah, to their yeah. mouths to laugh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she'll never know. <laughs> so I did it for you. I just justified it and you're sold. That's it. Yeah, that's it's now my favorite film. Never question it again. <laughs> that's the one final piece of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. And now it's your favorite film. Yeah, it just knocked uh, Volcano off the top of the list. (laughs) That's the good one. That's the good one with Tommy Lee Jones. Dante's Peak is a piece of shit. I don't know why, but E.T. just popped into my head and just... (laughs) It's just in my head now. Whenever I hear people start doing that, I always think of the Skeksis from Dark Crystal. (laughs) Anytime anyone hums to me, I always wonder... Because that's the sound they make. Yeah. I'm a Skeksis baby. <laughs> what? I love when I was... <laughs> is, it, is, that, is that one of your lines? No. I, I have a Skeksis line when I try and pick up chicks. It's like I, I walk up to them and I, I widen my eyes crazily and I say... <laughs> and I say, uh, I am still emperor. And then I... <laughs> and then I... <laughs> dissolve into a powder in front of them does it work well once i (laughs) reconstitute from powder form much as the sandman (laughs) did in the classic spider-man 3 much like eggs yeah much like eggs the the good kind the ones that come in powder (laughs) form okay so but uh are you uh you happy we we talked about uh what you want to talk about i'm happy you yeah we came back and recorded some more about dinosaurs and i got to do some funny voices (laughs) i'm i'm more happy about that than anything that i got to goof off yeah i'm really happy about your uh (laughs) spider-man your your plot dissection the most important aspect of any beyond synth episode is ripping apart some movie that nobody cares about but yeah it's been uh, it's been good uh talking to you and uh, I think this is going to be an interesting episode for people. It's just sort of us goofing off for like an hour. But uh, So I'd like to thank Mike Mendoza for being on the show. Do you want people to go to your page? or? Yeah, check out my Facebook, actually. I, I submitted my name to the Delhi Mag magazine charts, which is pretty cool. And it goes by your Facebook activity, from what I understand. And so the more people who like it and engage and comment and stuff, 
So check out my Facebook and fuck around. That's where I do my, my I post my movie stuff. Cool. So check out the Hoo Ha Facebook page. Is that what it is under Hoo Ha? Yeah. The <laughs> my regular Facebook page is um, slash the Hoo Ha, so you'll find Mike Mendoza. But that means I couldn't use it for my public page, and so is the the Hoo Hoo Ha Ha. It's fucking obnoxious, but <laughs> that's what I could. That's all I could think of at the time. That's what my YouTube is too. Okay. It's, the the hoo hoo ha ha and also people should uh listen to your stuff and pick up your songs uh i highly recommend them because they are awesome yeah buy my music i need money he needs money go to my band camp 99 cents or more u.s dollars <laughs> but yeah so it's been good talking to you so you have a you have a nice day and i'll fucking i'll talk to you soon later man i <laughs> take care <laughs> Alrighty then, that was Mike Mendoza. You can check him out on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter. I'll post up all the links on the episodes page. I want to thank you all for listening. Hope you listen again next week. And let's end the show with a little listen to Hoo Ha's Khaki. Mendo!